welcome to Act to Age, a podcast for two adults diving into young adult books in order to discuss how their appeal transcends age and other boundaries. My name is Tasia. And I'm Corinne. And today is our big end of year wrap up episode, last episode of 2021. We're really excited to talk about everything that we've uh, loved super hard this year. Yeah, this will be really fun. It's our first official, I guess, end of year wrap up episode. We did this last year, but we tacked it on to our red, white, and royal blue episode. So this year we thought we would just do it on its own. It's not like we don't have enough to talk about to sustain an entire episode. So many things to talk about. And I also have like multiple things written for every category. So like we're going to be right. here for a minute because I couldn't make decisions. And so I have caveats to everything. I'm like one A, one B, one C for like everything that's fine. So that's going to be really exciting. I can't believe like our first full year is under our belts. I know it feels like five minutes has gone by. And also like we've been doing this forever. I know we, uh, we had a lot of fun this year. Oh, actually I'm going to throw in, I'm going to write it down right now. Another category that we haven't talked about, but I'm going to pose it to you now. And then later when I'm reading the categories, I'm going to ask it. Uh, so think about it in the interim. Uh, what was your favorite episode we did this year? Oh, so I'm going to add that to our list of awards for the year awards, like, like they have any (laughs) meaning. It's just us talking. Uh, And there's, if you've listened to all of our episodes, I I can guarantee at least based on my list, you're going to hear us talk about some of the same things again, but that's fine because we love nothing more than to, uh, to gush unabashedly about things that we love. We try to strike a good balance when we record this podcast, but today is just for fun. So maybe it's going to be more gushing than normal. I think. Yeah. I mean, this is the episode to do it. So for sure, before we dive into our favorite stuff of the year, what are some of your favorite other things right now that maybe you're obsessing over? Well, um, just today, actually, I finished King of Battle and Blood by Scarlett St. Clair. Um, those of you that are really into like book talk or even bookstagram probably recognize that name. Um, Scarlett St. Clair wrote the A touch of darkness and I think what is it, the other one, like a touch of ruin or something, uh, the Hades and Persephone retelling that were like, um, a romantic or erotic fantasy. And so this one is in the same vein, but it's like a vampire and human, and there's like witches and stuff in this world. But um, the way that the hero is described is very like Alucard from Castlevania. And I don't know if any of you have watched that show, but Alucard is a fucking babe and a half. So that was like very fun to keep in my brain as I was reading that. Um, right. It's got big, like from blood and ash vibes, uh, Jennifer L. Armentrout series, but the world building isn't as like convoluted and messy and, and difficult to like, I still don't know what's going on in that series. Um, yeah, me either. <laughs> and this is, yeah, this is very much like, you know, in the vein of like many things that we like, which is like, it's fun. We don't really care about the plot. Um, but in that way, the plot is much easier to follow and, and more interesting. I think you and a uh, friend of the pod, Jesse, both read it at a very in like a quick day. pace. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a good indicator of exactly what kind of fantasy candy this might be and I'm excited to dive into it I have it here from the library and my homework was to read it along with you this weekend as we uh 
and I, and I didn't. <laughs> and I then we accidentally devoured the entire thing in like one sitting. But yeah, it's great. I, was, like, I love that for you guys. <laughs> yeah, I was like mildly hungover today. So I spent the whole day in bed just reading this like really fun, sexy vampire stuff, which is just like there are a few ways, a few better ways to spend a day. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Anything else? I'm finding what you've like been talking to me about. <laughs> I know. I don't like, do I even know what's happening in my own life? Probably not. I don't know. Uh, let me see. Let me look at my Goodreads real quick. <laughs> Did you watch anything? Um, no, I haven't been watching anything. I mean, I'm still working through the great. And I did also finish A Shadow in the Ember, which is like a, a prequel to From Blood and Ash. But it's like yeah. the same kind of recycled story with the same like bits. I don't yeah. know. I've been avoiding that book because I'm mad at the third from blood and ash book still like it just really mm-hmm. wasn't good and i'm mad about how i feel like jennifer l armand shot this all on with her mm-hmm. like instagram teases and stuff so i'm still bitter eventually i will read it but not yet i'm not interested in reading it yet yeah and you shouldn't you shouldn't feel the need to rush into it because i thought it was very meh yeah so that's that's, that's a disappointment mm-hmm. um what i have been doing in lieu of reading this book, which I, what is it called again? I can't keep all these names. They don't make sense to me. King of blood the and blank in a blank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one's King of battle and blood battle. I <laughs> blood yes, and yes. Bone. I think blood and bone sounds a little more appropriate based on the description you gave. <laughs> Ooh, we have a vampire here. Um, no, instead of uh, reading that, like I was meant to along with you both this weekend, I started watching the sex lives of college girls which is on hbo max it's a mindy kaling created and produced show about four girls who start their freshman year at a very nice private college in vermont and they all are coming into college with their own unique experiences and learning and growing as as they start their college experience and as the title might suggest it has a lot to do with their love lives and their um romantic entanglements and I just like can't stop watching it's very good uh, one of the four girls is played by Pauline Chalamet who's Timothy Chalamet's sister they the genes are strong and it's like still <laughs> freaky to me I'm like I have two episodes left that I will go finish when we finish recording this but like the the genes are strong it's like quite impressive uh but it's been just like very funny and exactly what you'd expect it's not like super groundbreaking or anything but I uh I'm laughing every episode and find it very uh, fun. So I always like to find those comedies with half hour episodes that only have like 10 episodes for the season. It's already God, been renewed so for rare two. these days. I know. So it's like a perfect weekend binge. And so I've really been enjoying that. And then I still have just like completely fallen down a historical romance rabbit hole. And it's probably good that I'm like watching the show to kind of break me mm. of that. And then I can go read this like funny fantasy again uh, that I'm supposed to have read. But uh, I finished the Tessa Dare Spindle Co. series, which I talked about last time and really particularly loved the fourth book in that series, which was great. And then I decided, I don't even know how I got like down this path, but I ended up reading uh, Lord of Scoundrels by Loretta Chase, which as someone who is newer to reading historical romances, and this has really been my year of historical romances, I had not heard of it previously until recently when I'd seen a lot of people continually talk about it as one of the best historical romances of all time. And it was written in 1995. So you definitely have to go in. There are some things that 
would not be written now or hope would not be written now, but on the whole for a 26 year old book, it holds up really, really well. It is a fantastic story from like the development of the hero in particular. He's such an alpha, but you know exactly why he is the way he is. And seeing his progress through the book is fantastic. The steam in the book is great. Their banter. It's kind of like a hate to kind of a hate to love, but they are immediately in lust and like know it. And the heroine is like, I I've heard her referred to as like an icon of historical romance heroines. And she is fucking fantastic. She does one thing that is so bonkers. I was like, Oh my God, I love you so much. It's so great. So it was really, really fun. And I've since listened to, there's an episode of um, the podcast faded mates, which is a romance novel podcast hosted by Sarah McLean, who's a writer as well, which was a great um, episode on that book. And it was just really fun to kind of be in the know now of this, this very famous book that people talk about all the time. And so I really liked that. And I read that in one sitting uh, this weekend. I kind of wish I hadn't. I always inhale historical romances. It's just like delicious. I don't want to say junk food in a bad way. I just mean that in a way that that's how I consume them. We love junk food. We love junk food. It does nourish me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish I had actually read this one slower just because the writing is so sharp and so good. And then I think I probably just like blew past it too much because I was so excited to see what happened. So I really liked that. That was very fun, but it's a true obsession, right? Where you like stay up till two o'clock in the morning to finish. Oh yeah, for sure. Historical romance. So yeah, that's what um, I, I have since checked that out from the library. I'm probably going to start yeah, it tomorrow. Yes. I was debating after finishing King of Battle and Blood, whether to go into Priest, which is like a very popular book on book talk right now mm-hmm. for like the smut crowd. Mm-hmm. Or that one, but I decided since I read like a fantasy romance that I would do yeah. a more modern one. And I'm literally like 15% into it and fucking shook. <laughs> like this priest yeah. book is like oh boy. Wow. Um it's it's actually really well written too. So okay. I am I'm having a good time with it. Wait, I actually don't know anything about this. Is it um, an actual priest? Yes, yes. And I think it's one of those things that came out post Fleabag season two. Mm-hmm. Um, we all love the hot priest and love uh, hot this priest. is, this is a hot priest. Fabulous. You know, it's really, it, it's one of those things that like, I would never think I would potentially be into after 15 years of Catholic education. <laughs> However, Fleabag changed a lot of things for me. So. Fleabag was, was very, uh, religiously formative experience for a lot of us. I think it was indeed. Oh God. I don't like, I'm much better about it now, but if you tried to talk to 2019 Corinne about Fleabag, like I would burst into <laughs> tears. Like it was just a running joke amongst friends to be like, Corinne, like, I'm going to tell you that I'm finally watching it now, but don't cry. About it. <laughs> So uh, I'm glad I've moved past that point. I've really like learned to lock it up, uh, which is great for me. I think in my mental <laughs> well-being. <laughs> uh, so if you haven't watched Leave It, go watch it, and then um, DM us or shoot us an email and know that it will probably reduce me to tears. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always a fun activity. It is a fun. Oh, God, I like want to rewatch it, but I'm scared. It's been a yeah, while. Same. I it's one of those things that's like it, but... so great and it's so, I don't know. It's just so perfect that it's like hard to rewatch, I yeah. think, because it does like evoke just everything all at once. Yeah, totally. 
Should we go into some of our awards now? Let's do it. All right. Um, I guess I'll just start listing off some categories here. I have them in like a little bit of an order. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to start off. Let's do it. Let's start with best YA, best young adult book, given that we are a young adult podcast. (laughs) I guess that's After our conversations about sexy vampires and priests, let's circle back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to lock up that horny shit for a second. No. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Uh, Iron Widow by Sharon J. Zhao. Um, yeah. It was a huge, I mean, I, I don't even want to say it was a huge surprise, but um, it it just is kind of like a, a beautiful ode to female rage and uh, just so much fun. Not a perfect book, but fuck a really fun one. It was so super fun. I'm so glad you put it on your list because it was such a, it was, I think it was a surprise to me, I think, because I just never read anything like that before. Yeah. And it was, it was super great. And I super loved it. Um, and I can't wait. Well, do we know when the second book in that series is coming out? No clue. Yeah, it is. It's just a wild good time. I really like just it. So wild. Just start to finish. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, what you got? I got multiple <laughs> things here already. Oh yeah, of so course. Like, we're, we're doing well. Okay. So I has because you and I are both like really good fan. They're big fantasy fans, and that's where our podcast episodes tend to go a lot. I feel like we don't pe- spend a lot of time talking about contemporary YA books. So I wanted to highlight because I do read a good amount of them. One of them that I think I did talk about on this podcast at one point, which is Fat Chance Charlie Vega by Crystal Maldonado, and it is a story about a girl who um, is fat and Latina and lives in white Connecticut. And it's about her struggles kind of to fit in given some of those things. And she also has a really like domineering mother and it's, which actually was kind of hard to read, but I really thought that this was just one of the sharper, more refreshing YA books that I read this year. And I just really liked uh, a lot of, of what it, it touched on. So that was great. And then um, I'm kind of cheating with this one because it's technically two books, but I'm lumping together the Ray Bear duology for my YA fantasy pick. Uh, that's by Jordan Nufuico. We've covered it here on this podcast. So if you haven't read it yet, someday I really hope you do and you go back and listen to those episodes because I think that that was just one of my favorite fantasy surprises of the year. Her writing is incredible. The story of those books are incredible. And in terms of themes, like which is something we really love to cover on this podcast, I am hard pressed to think of a uh, fantasy series that, or that touches on things that are so important like that series does. So yeah, that's my cheat. <laughs> having Co-sign. three books. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's this is really like an exercise of like how many books can we talk about and like not have them be the same. Because yeah. this is like all, you basically could flip a coin for most everything Tej and I have talked about. And we did not share our list beforehand. So I think we've kind of like talked as we were making them, but we don't really like have a, a real idea of what the other is going to say. So that's exciting. All righty. Let's do best nonfiction. What do you got? I have The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. It is, um, the reading experience for this one was really fun just because I, it's, it's a series of essays and um, it was something I could just kind of pick up and read an essay or two and then put down. So I read it over the course of several months. Um, 
it's basically he has a, a podcast, I think, by the same name. Um, and it's I, I've never listened to it, but I think it's about you know the same ish type of thing where you take like these everyday kind of Americana type of things and review them like you're on Yelp. And so he's giving things like, you know, blank out of five stars. Um, but there's like, you know, he reviews like Mario Kart or he reviews like the world's largest ball of paint. Um, but all of the things that he, all of his essays, they end up tying into um, whatever's happening now. Like it's very like a pandemic written yeah. book. Um, it's really it was just really beautiful. Like it was very moving, uh, very oddly hopeful. Um, it was really something that I, I liked to pick up, especially like in a certain mood, you know, because it always like brought me to tears and like a very, like, I don't know, like a hopeful for humanity kind of way. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just a really lovely book and I liked it a lot. Great. I just uh, added it this month to my book of the month box. And oh, so nice. I have it now. And so I'm excited to dive into it one day because if you listened to our Fault in the Stars episode, that was my first ever John Green. And I really liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking forward to reading more of him someday. And that's different, obviously, since it's nonfiction, but that'll be good. Um, my choice in this category is you'll never believe what happened to Lacey, which is by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. Amber Ruffin is a writer on, uh, Seth Meyers show. And she also has her own late night show now as well. And this is co-written with her sister, Lacey. And the premise of the book is set up in such a way where it confronts racism head on, but from their two different viewpoints. And it's basically like Amber's lived in New York for a really long time. And so she's kind of has a different perspective living in such a large diversity than her sister, Lacey, who still lives in Nebraska where they grew up. And so it's kind of told an interview format a little bit, or Amber like prompts Lacey to talk about something. And then Lacey just has these stories that as the title suggests, like you just, they're incredible. Like they are just so ridiculous. Some of the things that happened to her, but it's a really uh, it's a great book for kind of pointing out how continually things are still really horrible uh, for a lot of people. And it's, it was really helpful as someone who lives in a big urban environment to read some of these things that like I, I just obviously as a white woman don't encounter, but also living in a pretty diverse place don't encounter either. And it was mm-hmm. told with a lot of humor, but obviously uh pointed out some very important things and I just really recommend it a lot. It was, it was really good. It made me want to really watch Amber Ruffin's show, but it's like, I don't have time for any late night shows. Like I see, I like watch clips on YouTube. If like someone's had a big guest or something that I like, and I want to listen to the interview. Uh, but I've always really liked Seth Meyers and I know that she's always been a writer there. So this, this all makes sense. It tracks that this is what I ended up liking. So yeah, nonfiction. There we go. Look at us just we like moving it. along here. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I thought this would be longer. I mean, we're, we're not to the big like. Yeah, we haven't gotten yet. into like the meaty stuff yet. Yeah. But. Alrighty, should I throw in my surprise question now, which was our favorite yeah. episode? Do you have an answer? Uh, I th- I think I'm gonna cheat this time, and I have a few. That's fair. Um, I would like to just kind of shout out the entire Raven Cycle series. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously just like on a 
like a meta level, like this, this was why we created this podcast. Um, it's obviously, uh, really important to us. Uh, we put a lot of work into it. It was truly a labor of love. Um, just big shout out to that entire series and, and all of our episodes on it. Other than that, um, honestly, I think, uh, legend born was that maybe was my one. favorite. Yeah. Uh, with our guest Colby, that was really fun. Um, and just a, you know, a great book. It's a book. I would have to agree with you. I almost was going to change the entire Raven cycle. If I have to pick one Raven cycle episode, it's not one, it's two, uh, but our two <laughs> episodes on the dream thieves, which is our favorite book of mm-hmm. that series. And one of our favorite books ever. And we had a lot of great guests join us for all of our Raven cycle coverage, but that one we really wanted to do ourselves because we just love it so much. And it's so personal to us and foundational to our friendship. And so those two episodes, I really, really love. And then I think I also have to shout out, which was another two-part episode was not meant to be, was our coverage of rule of wolves, because that was just like, the capper on such an unhinged week, I think in our lives, I think (laughs) (laughs) like you and me and Tasia, you are Tasia. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) See, I I just can't even talk about it again without getting like all discombobulated. Uh, the two of us and Aubrey and Jesse all read that behemoth doorstop rubber book in a day. Like it came out on Tuesday and we stayed up so late reading It's like a fever dream. Yes. And then we ended up recording it that weekend because we wanted to like get it out into the ether right away. So it was just like so long and so just, it was just a lot. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, it had to be split into two. And it was just so fun to in real time process what may or may not be the end of a huge like fandom journey like that. And I, I just really enjoyed yeah. it. That was super well, fun. That like right around the time too, that the show had come out or was going to come out. And so it was just like the peak of our, yeah. our Grishaverse like obsession yeah, was no. when that happened. So it, was, it just feels like I look back on it and it just feels like a whole giant fever dream. Yeah. It was a very fun uh, month for if you're a Grishaverse fan and it was a fun yeah. month for us. So I, I really loved that. Golly. Um, <laughs> do you want to pick a category? Uh, sure. Let's see. Let's go favorite series. Okay. I'll go um, first. <laughs> yeah, you go first. I have two. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So because, as I said, this is my year of historical romance, I read so much historical romance. It's my number one genre of the year in terms of the number of books read uh, and started off with me reading the Bridgerton series after the show came out, um, read that all in January, and I've read a ton more since. And so if I had to pick specific series, uh, which is a very big thing if you're not a historical romance reader, there's a usually three to four book series by a particular author. My favorite is the bare knuckle bastard series by Sarah McLean. I think that I have other books from outside that series that are my favorite books by her, but I think that's the best cohesive three series set of books. It is about these three sons, bastard sons of a Duke, right? He's a Duke. I think he's a Duke. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He's yeah. in the British nobility. They're all born on the exact same time. He has no legitimate uh, son of his own. So he takes his three bastards and he like raises them in this competition to figure out who's he's going to pass off as his legitimate son. And so each brother gets a book um, and they also have 
and quasi type sister in, in the, in the situation. Anyway, she also plays a big part in the story as well. And so it's just a great development of the familial relationship in that book. It's kind of like a bonkers premise to, to think about, uh, but the way it all builds to the redemption of like the overarching series villain, I guess we'll say in the third book is just really great. It's mm-hmm. not always necessary to read interweaving romance series in order. And I often don't, but that one I would recommend you can switch around the first two, but reading them before you get to the third, just because it makes that three book character development for this villain character, just like very rewarding. Yeah. So that's my favorite romance series you've read. Did you read? You read them all, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. They are good. I love Beast. Very much enjoyed them. Beast and Hattie in the second one. They're so good. So good. So good. I think that was my favorite one. Um, I think that they were my introduction to Sarah McLean uh, via you. And I was, it was the beginning of a, of a beautiful relationship between (laughs) me and and her books. Yeah. They're really good. And that's her most recent complete series. She just started a new series that one book is out of, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, really fun. And the beauty of all of her books is they all interlink somehow. Mm-hmm. So like the first heroine in the first book of that series, you meet her in the previous series. And so it all does connect together and it's really fun to have those. That's how she gets, yeah. Totally. Cause then I'm like, I need to know this. I know. Story. Like, oh, like all these people that are mentioned have had their own books. And so I had to go back and read all of those. And yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really fun series. Oh God. There's like one scene i won't spoil which book it's in so it's a surprise for you but like let's just say someone gets tied up on a ship and like fun times happen and it's it was very hot i do recall oh yeah it was that was a good time yeah she does good work (laughs) i'm like speechless she's talking about it so okay so that's my favorite romance series and then again ya I picked the fable and namesake duology by Adrian Young. And I don't know if that counts as a series and it's just two books, but I'm going to count it just because looking back at all of the series I read this year, that one just stands out to me in my brain, along with Ray Baron Redemptor, really just being two parts of a whole and combining to tell such a beautiful story. I can't think about that series without thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean. I think that's just because it's a foundational movie for me growing up. Mm -hmm. But like the way Adrian Young writes, like being on a ship, like it makes me feel like I am personally like in my own Pirates of the Caribbean star in in Orlando Bloom is there. Johnny Depp is not. Orlando Bloom is there though. Like John is on Will Turner is, is there with me. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's a great story about this girl fable who is left on an Island by herself, just to fend for herself by her father, Saint, who is this smuggler. Uh, and her mother had died in a, in a shipwreck and she is left to fend for herself and ultimately tries to find her way off the Island. She gets, um, for, reasons ends up on this ship called the Marigold and it's a great found family, the crew of that ship. She has to ultimately work to befriend all of them and their um very surly yet handsome Captain West. West? His name's West. That's West. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many book boyfriends. I read in my a head. lot I of fucking books, okay. Um, but and then she also has to kind of figure out why her father left her and the mystery of her mother and the two books in tandem tell that entire story. And it's just beautifully written. And, uh, I really loved it. 
I loved those books. I read them at your uh, recommendation, uh, yours and Jesse's. And uh, yeah, they are really beautifully written. Um, I really love that there is, of course, like a, a really great, like building romance in there, but also mm-hmm. so much of it is just about her relationship with her father and yeah. about all these familial tile ties and stuff. And it's just really yeah. beautifully done. Ultimately, the stuff that gets me most about that series looking back is the stuff with her dad. Yeah. And like, I don't even have like, it, it's not even like, you know, sometimes you like relate to things that like you or you like things because you relate to them. And like, I don't like, I find a relationship with my dad. Love my dad. This is a very complicated relationship. And so I like love, I it's, oh, it's so palpable and like, it's so good and so quiet mm-hmm. and just really masterful stuff from Adrian Young. Good work. Indeed. What do you got here? Uh, so I have two. Hey! Oh, um, yeah! I love when it's not just me who breaks I the rules. I picked one for YA and one for um, just not YA. Mm-hmm. So my YA pick, uh, probably to nobody's surprise, is Throne of Glass. Mm. Um, it it consumed a solid month and a half or so of my life this fall. Um, for for books that like I didn't have the highest expectations of, even though you and Jesse were both very into it. Um, I don't know why I was like, oh, it's probably, I think, cause I had read the first two before I tried reading them again. And I was yep. very unimpressed, Yeah, but, uh, come to find out that is just the nature of this series. The first two are just kind of silly formulaic, you know, spit your standard YA fair, nothing, nothing really to write home about, but they really develop into something else. And like, I'll say Sarah, Sarah J. Mass is not the world's most subtle writer. She is not the most flowery writer, um, but few people can make me feel as much as she does. Um, the way that she writes just kind of these traumatized, broken people. It, it's, it just gets me right in the fucking soul. Um, I think I spent at least God, I probably cried at least four times per book for the last like three or four books. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just really, it really builds into something really beautiful I think and um yeah it's yeah. still living rent free in my head right now it's it's so good and nothing like brings me more joy than the fact that you loved it and I so I read that book in like August and September of 2020 and I just went back and looked because it's like did I pick that as my favorite series last year and I didn't I picked the folk of the air trilogy which was like mm-hmm. fair I mean I yeah. also love that a lot but it was really hard for me to live by myself in my throne of glass feelings for the last year without you. And yeah. I say by myself, like it's not a super popular like fandom. It is like Tumblr. There's tons of throne of glass stuff. It's all over Bookstagram, all over BookTok. Not quite to the extent of, of Akatar, but you know, when I think of that series, like the just the development of the plot and those characters is, is just so great. And I feel like I just was by myself in my feelings for a long time. I don't know and how so, you did that. <laughs> I just, I like just would be by myself, like in looking at Tumblr into the morning, like normal, a normal person. So it just really makes me really happy that you loved it because it is very special. I think it really is um, just so much more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And uh, I, I ended up liking it better than I like Akatar, I think. Yeah. It's a better, um, it's a stronger series, I'll say. Yeah. And I think it's I think so. It's interesting to to have read it. I don't know. I I think I definitely did say that like last year. I'd mm-hmm. read Actar and Throne of Glass in the same year. And I think 
I like Throne of Glass better across the board. And the romance in Avatar is just kind of unparalleled. But then we have mm-hmm. Silver Flames that came out this year. And it kind of like we've talked about it if you listen to our Avatar episodes, like it's it's uh at least for the two of us has impacted our feelings on that series a little bit in terms of like the main characters. And 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 has not like diminished my love for the original three books, but I have to do a lot of work of of kind of mm-hmm. compartmentalizing. It's hard when yeah. you're in the middle of the series, but so like right now I can say like Throne of Glass is is not a perfect mm-hmm. top to bottom series, but like pretty darn near perfect. Yeah. I mean, there are a few reading experiences that can compare to reading a court of mist and fury yeah. in the Akatar series, um, especially for the first time. But I, yeah, absolutely. Overall, I think uh, Throne of Glass is a stronger series. Um, just man, she knows how to fucking twist that knife in my heart. And, sure and just she knows how to get me. Sure does. And what's the other one? It is uh, the Poppy War trilogy mm-hmm. uh, by R.F. Kong, a very kind of a, a military fantasy type of thing. Um, it's I think it's basically built like um, like if you've watched Avatar The Last Airbender, it was like Azula, if Azula was the main character and everybody was on drugs. Uh, and that is <laughs> that is the series, but um, it's really incredible. It's devastating, just so devastating on so many levels. It's just the horrors of war. It's um, the writer. She um, like studied at Yale and Oxford in um, Chinese history and stuff. So she's she's wow. pulling from like um, a lot of a lot of it is based on, I think, um, real battle stories from. Uh, World War II in China, and it's just really horrific stuff. But it's really beautiful. It's like it's really beautifully told, really just devastating stuff. Um, it's it's got one one thing that I love a lot, which is like an unlikable heroine, um, or like an anti heroine, which is not something that we get a lot. Uh, somebody that you're just you know you're rooting for because she is your POV, and because like she's so traumatized and everything else. But at the same time, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's almost like a villain origin story, uh, but it's great. It's yeah. I have a hard time almost recommending this book because it is like, you're, you're going to like fuck your life up reading this. Yeah. That's why I'm but, yet. <laughs> yeah. But it's worth it. You know, I, yeah. I still love it dearly. Yeah. It sounds incredible. Yeah. But I just like need to get myself there someday. I will. Yeah. Maybe you really have to be in the headspace because it's going to it's going to live in your head and not necessarily in a great way all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, already. Do you want to pick another category here? Well, after, after the darkness of that, should we go, <laughs> should we go like best, best romance? Sure. Okay. Woo. It'll be hard. I have two again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had a hard time with this one and steamiest. So I kind of yeah. just took like my top choices for both of those characters categories and divided them like not yeah. even necessarily like, I don't know which one is which but we're going for it well I picked contemporary and historical in this category yes I just wanted to and it's my our podcast our rules we're gonna make mm-hmm. that mug someday we said that before we really need to uh so my favorite contemporary romance of the year was people we meet on vacation by Emily Henry which also won the Goodreads choice award for best romance this year and it was very well deserved 
I think part of why I love that book so much is because I did not love Beatreed as much as a lot of people did. And I think my like Beatreed, who's just also by Emily Henry, came out and came to me pretty early on in 2020 during the pandemic. And the title of that book is kind of a misnomer when it comes to the actual subject matter of the book. And so I think like in April, 2020, when I read it, it like wasn't really gelling for me. And so I was like, okay, well, I know her writing is good. Like that just book didn't work for me as much as it did for a lot of other people. So I kind of went in with low expectations for people who went on vacation, mean on vacation, which also was kind of premised as this whole like take on one Harry met Sally, which is the movie that I love. And so I was kind of nervous about that too. This book like really just blew my mind away. It is so different than so many contemporary romances just in terms of its structure. Um, and, but she just really does very different things with her books with great success, I think. And this romance here just, again, just really blew me away. I think also because friends to lovers is not one of my favorite pairings usually mm-hmm. not one of my favorite tropes and so to do it so well and have me be so deeply invested in these two is incredible if you haven't read the book yet it's basically told from alternating chapters that go from present day to past vacations that these two best friends from college have gone on except in the current timeline they they're fighting you don't know why so you keep going back from the present day to the vacation they went on 11 years ago, 10 years ago, the way it builds, it's just, it's so good. And it's not the steamiest romance of all the romances I've read this year. It does have some good moments to it. Uh, but like it, it does, that doesn't really matter to me when the story is as good as it is. So like, it's just, it was really good. And I loved it a lot. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I, I super loved it. And I think like, because I'm, I'm like you and, and friends to lovers isn't necessarily my thing. Yeah. I think it does work so well in this book because there are a lot of other tropes at play here. Um, like the reunion kind of thing is, is very much my thing. The like missed connection yeah. thing is very much my thing where like two people are, have been in love off and on their entire friendship, yeah. but like have never like meshed on those timelines. The whole, like um, I've waited so long to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it has like a sick bad moment that's great too. Like, mm-hmm. mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. Just like it's it's really really good. Um, I really recommend it, and I think it's one of those books too. And I think, but maybe why it was so popular this year too is like because it doesn't read in some ways like a traditionally structured romance. I think it drew in a lot of fans who aren't wouldn't consider themselves like romance readers or like number mm-hmm. one genre is romance that they read. I think it probably has a little bit more cross appeal. Yeah. I probably think it reads kind of like literary fiction. It does. Her writing is very literary fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it was just so good. I love it. Uh, so that's my best contemporary. And I did pick a best historical as well in my year of historical romance. And I picked one good Earl deserves a lover by Sarah McLean, which uh, it's the most ridiculous title when you say it. Um, <laughs> All of those titles are very silly. I know. So this is part of her uh, casino series. Does it have a different name? It's like, is it Rule Rules of Scoundrels? I think is the name of that series. Uh, n- Rules of Scoundrels. Wasn't that one like the 
Oh God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Maybe. know. Hold on. I'm sure. going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Um, it is the second book and, and it, it's called like shorthand, the casino series, because it's about four casino owners and they, they each get a book. It is the rules of scoundrel series. Okay. okay. That's right. Um, and, and shouts to Aubrey, our friend Aubrey, who like, after I finished reading Bridgerton, I was like, Aubrey, what do I read next? And she's like, read rules of scoundrels. This is another series too, by the way, I'm just going like, to throw this caveat here. There is a very big twist in book four of that series, which like I was spoiled on and I was kind of mad because I thought it was really clever. And it's like, it is a really good twist. And I uh, wish I didn't know it. And I like found out because I was reading the first book in the series and I like flipped to the last page in the Kindle and it was like, this is book four. And then like gave a blurb and I was like, ah, like the blurb gives it away. Uh, so it's like, they're still fun if you know it. But um, anyway, One Good Earl Deserves Lover is the second <laughs> book in that series. Read the whole thing with the second one. Oh my God. I, it's so good. <laughs> I have talked about this before on the podcast that I like stayed up really late to read it. And I was like crying because I loved it so much. It is about uh, the, the casino owner hero of the book name is cross. And, uh, he as, as many historical romance heroes do has like a very tragic past and has closed himself off for many reasons. Pippa, Lady Philippa Marbury is our heroine. She is very scientific and pragmatic and wears little spectacles and has a very studious brain. And it's very quirky for her Regency England times that she lives in. And she is due to get married to a lovely, but just kind of very boring Lord or whatever he is. And because she is so scientific, she wants to know what it is going to be like to perform her marital duties. And she approaches Cross, who is one of the owners of this casino, to teach her the ways. <laughs> and she wants to know what it is going to be like. Just a perennial premise there. Just sure. Classic. Great. Cross, for reasons, has like basically taken on a vow of celibacy. And so these two... <laughs> really um sink uh uh kind of like but has uh they have like very different goals he's immediately drawn to her but he's like i i am not gonna ruin you be i like have this vow of celibacy and like don't touch women etc he so yes it, it's a ridiculous premise but the way their love story grows is just like incredible yeah so the culmination of like the way one line that is put in early in this in the book comes out during like this romantic climax of the book like knocked me out and like made me cry mm -hmm. I was like I love it so much and so I reread my highlights from that series all over that particular book all the time it's so good across and Pippa forever I love them yeah I think it's my favorite of Sarah McLean's yes yeah. that's, that's saying a lot because there's a lot of books of hers that we yeah. both have have read this year yeah um and it's I think definitely top top of the list there cross is just kind of an all-time uh romantic hero um I love that in a lot of her books her heroines aren't necessarily like it's like oh this character is a wallflower but she's actually gorgeous and like she's just a spinster because of other reasons it's like no her characters are like you know like Pippa is is awkward and she isn't like like other people will look at her and not not necessarily see somebody that's gorgeous or whatever you know and it's not like a matter of, oh, these like just two super fucking hot people are getting together yeah. like naturally. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's, it's more realistic in that way. 
Um, and I just really liked the exploration of Pippa's character as just kind yeah. of this, this super logical scientific person that like, you know, she, she's having panic attacks over the thought of what she has to do as a wife and, and being worried that she's going into some, and, and she's going into something that she doesn't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And there's one scene I don't want to like spoil and say what it is. I've never read a steamy scene quite like this before. I've not seen this exact like layout of steps, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so good. Yeah. Like this summer leading up to her release of Bombshell, her most recent book, Sarah McLean did like every week she focused on all of her books that she's written in order and she did questions and answers on them. And like the first slide for one good girl deserves lover is like, yeah, I'll talk about that scene. You like perverts, like stop <laughs> sending me messages about it. So anyway, it's a good book. It's good. What do you got here? I picked it happened one summer by Tessa Bailey. This one I think was for sure. Just a huge surprise for all of us. Yeah. Like all, all of us in our little like friend reading group. Yeah. Um, I think it was the first Tessa Bailey for all of us. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and just like this is where we learn that Tessa Bailey is the uh, Michelangelo of dirty talk. She, yeah. I mean, literally nobody, nobody weaponizes the word sweetheart like like Tessa Bailey does. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really great. the The main heroine too is a character that I think in a lot of media is the type of uh, female character that people make fun of a lot. She's based yeah. on Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek. But this book is so kind to her and she's just so lovable. And I, I love it so much on, on so many different levels. I think it's just, it was one of the sexiest things I read this year and just the romance was great. And the characters were great. Yeah, no, it was, it was such a fun surprise. I really loved Mm -hmm. that book. And I think like Tessa Bailey has a reputation for being like her books being really good and really steamy, but I think like in the past she's may may have like over alphaed some of her characters and like had uh, veered a little too close to the toxic masculinity side of things. At least so I've read mm-hmm. about some of her books, and so it always kind of made me like weary and not want to read her stuff. But it seems like she kind of course corrected her way through things here, and Chef's kiss it was so good, so. so good good I mean I've read so many romances this year I love that was really hard but I'm not even gonna like open the door to talking about any other so we have to move on (laughs) this was Um, such a huge year of romance for me I think this is the most every month I read more romance than I read anything else it's so good on that note though so while we're like continuing this do we want to talk about favorite ship yeah all right you want to go first (laughs) this is uh let's see I have Okay, so we were like writing on paper these lists uh, that we weren't really showing each other um, while we were trying to plot out what we were going to pick. And I literally have like five different ships here with a bunch so of them tossed out and rewritten. And like, I, <laughs> it's really okay, hard because tell me your number one, but then I want to hear all the cross outs too, because I have okay. like a similar situation. Okay, so I think, and this is the one I circled, even though I have a question mark next to it. So. <laughs> Like literally I am in this moment still undecided, but this is the circled one. So this is yeah. what we're going with. Yeah. Um, I picked uh, Jordan and Declan from hmm. Mr. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the, the words by the time we're married Lord. still live <laughs> in my head. <laughs> like sometimes yeah. I just, and Declan specifically is one of those characters that like, if I just sit in and he like flits into my mind randomly, I will like 
come to tears. Yeah. He is just that character for me. I have so much love and affection and, and just compassion for him as a character and, and to see him sort of maybe hopefully getting this happy thing in his life is just really important to me. Um, I, and Jordan is just like the perfect person for him. Yeah. Uh, they, they make me very, very happy. Yeah. That's wonderful. Before we get to your crossouts, I want to give my top one too, and yes. then we can like share our like runners up in this category. <laughs> Three hours my, later. <laughs> my, <laughs> mine is Zoya Lai. Uh, so Zoya Nazilensky and Nikolai Lansov from the Grisha Wars, particularly Rule of Wolves, which is the last book uh, for, I guess, their duology, Nikolai's duology, really. But I mean, like the definition of bipanic, like mm-hmm. love them both like so mm-hmm. much, like I would die for either of them. I'm they're both so so hot. Like I I love yeah. them so much. I love the inversion of Grumpy Sunshine. Normally yes. it's the the uh, guy who's grumpy and the girl who's sunshine. We have the opposite here. Nikolai is like my favorite Grishaverse character, and to see him meet his match in Zoya and how they like the pining in Rolls like. I was mm-hmm. reading some of my highlights after I wrote this list down as I'm often want to do, um, but like, oh, like there's so many good moments between them. And then the payoff at the end of that book is so good in a way that is satisfying for both of them uh, as, as characters and as partners. Uh, it's just like, I love them so much. And I've, I really feel like I tempered down my excitement uh, from how I was like during that peak Grisha's time, like over the summer, I like cooled my jets a little bit, but mm-hmm. They just, I love them a lot. Yeah. A lot. I also have very, very, very big feelings about Zoya and Nikolai. Yeah. They are one of my other couples listed here. Yeah. 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 I, I, you said it, the inversion of the grumpy sunshine, the pining, <laughs> oh, God. the pining is that just God tier. Like, it is uh, like the, the ribbon, the hair from- ribbon thing <laughs> that he, oh my God. It's just absolutely <laughs> feral. <laughs> We're about to like throw ourselves into volcanoes right now. Oh, like after they do the heist in Catterdam and they're on the ship and oh my God, it's all too much for me. Okay. Okay. And the shadow and the little demon thing. And oh my God, even his demon is into her. I'm just very, very into the whole thing. (laughs) What else do you (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go. Should we just alternate and go through our, uh, yeah. Our honorable mentions. Yeah. I mean, Dorian and Manon from oh, Throne, Gla- Throne of Glass, they yeah. are, I, I'm feeling very uh, feral in the club at the very thought of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel <laughs> similarly about them for different reasons, but as mm-hmm. I do to Zoya and Nikolai. And I yeah. think that I probably uh, would have put them like higher. Like if I had read that series in real time, like I would have been like literally on fire. And so like, that's, I feel like I got to that point with Nikolai and Zoya because I did have like almost a year between when I read King of Scars and that book. So I was just like, feel the frenetic simmering energy. Mm-hmm. If I had not like burned through Throne of Glass, I like probably would have been similarly simmering with those two, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah they're the best. They're so good. They're they're so good. Like the shadow hand stuff that there's just, there's mm-hmm. because like when you start the series and Dorian is very much kind of a sunshiny character and Manon totally. is like just darkness and, and yeah. not they even grumpy, like just almost yeah. straight up evil. Like she's yeah. 
but they, they kind of meet in the middle there. Like mm-hmm. he gets much darker and she gets a little bit lighter as the series go on, goes on. Yeah. And um, just the way that they're both so traumatized and it <laughs> sounds so bad, but it's like, like their trauma together is like a very sexy thing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to even put no, this, but um, you're right. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, it's, it's satisfying on a, on a bit of a kink level for like a YA series, which is yeah. like really weird. I mean, these yeah. are like, they're adult characters. They're grown up characters. So yeah. I'm not like, <laughs> yeah, let's reel that in a little bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, there's something else. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to talk about my next two together just because it, one of the things that I like about them, both of these couples together is their maturity. We are women in our thirties and a lot of time romances focus on people in their twenties, which is fine, but it's sometimes nice to see like more mature people in romance novels. And so, but so that's a common thread between the two. And then it kind of goes off the rails from there. Um, one is uh, Dominic and Sylvie from uh, battle Royale by Lucy Parker. Right. Mm-hmm. That's her name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That book, I think we both read and both talked about on this podcast. They are rival judges on a baking competition. They just have a beautiful, quiet love story that I just really was kind of feral over. And it kind of like hit me over the head. And they are very candid about the fact that like Dominic is like a silver fox, essentially. And Mm -hmm. there are limitations in his age sometimes. And, And it just, I really loved the two of them together. A lot of quiet touching in that book, which just really like was fantastic. And then I also really liked the characters, Ethan and Naomi in the intimacy experiment is that the name of the there's so many experiment mm-hmm. hypothesis equation books intimacy oh, yeah. experiment this is by rosie Stop with your math i know right <laughs> like i don't do math um <laughs> this was the second book by rosie dannon and her like i don't know what the series is called but the first book was the roommate uh in this series it should not work the ship should not work on paper naomi is a former porn star mm-hmm. ethan is a rabbi the two pair up together to give a series of lectures on uh, modern intimacy and end up falling for each other. And the I, there's the the scene where they like basically confess they have feelings for each other. Like I go back and reread it all the time because it is just such a like level of mo- emotional maturity where they're like, this feels big. Like we both have enough experience to know that this feels big. And like, okay, like what are we gonna do about it? Like, yeah, like porn star and a rabbi like this shouldn't work it's gonna be a thing but like fuck we can't ignore this like this is Mm -hmm. real and I just like really love how refreshing that is and then like when you have that premise you have to have the scene like really like ratchet it up there and Rosie Dan delivers so I just really love them yeah cosine absolutely do you you have any other backups Uh, backups runners up whatever (laughs) of course I do actually have two more okay okay great so we would be remiss if we did not mention A Court of Silver Flames. We have sort of mentioned it earlier. Uh, this was a huge read for us this year. Um, uh, something we really loved, but surprisingly, it doesn't really come up in my other categories just because there's just so much in competition here. But it is a yeah. book I really, really loved, Cassie and Anesta. Um, I have loved them since they first laid eyes on each other in yeah. A Court of Mist and Fury. They have had this building tension kind of in the background of all of these books leading up to this, um, this exploration of, 
of kind of both of their traumas, but especially Nesta's. And um, it's, uh, it just feels really big. It feels really, it's another grumpy sunshine inversion where she's the grump and he's the sunshine. And he's kind of like your perfect, like himbo golden retriever boyfriend. And she's like a bit of an asshole, but it's hot. They have this very great dynamic that, um, I don't know. It was just really great to finally see them get to that point. And, uh, with that too. Yeah. It was super, I mean, just like so much, so much smut in that book, but, uh, yeah. It was really great. And I think it was used kind of in a smart way yeah. as part of like their working through their shit type of thing. Uh, just Nesta is a comfort character for me because uh, love she, a hot mean girl. Yeah, she's the hot mean girl. We love a hot mean girl. Mm-hmm. And I love a himbo. So there you go. Um, Literally like all the fantasy women we've talked about in this category are hot mean girls. We've got, we got a Zoya, We got a Manon. <laughs> we have We've got a type. We're going to make that t-shirt. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, the other one I have is another Sarah J. Mass pairing, which this is my third on this list. Uh, she writes a good couple y'all, uh, say what you will. She writes a mean couple, uh, Rowan and Aelin from Throne of Glass. Ibs. Uh, yeah, they are just, and I think it's done so well because they're a ship that kind of happens a little bit later in the series or like mid series. But then once they get together, they get together and they're together, you know, through the rest of the series. And for a lot of writers, I think this is like a, a sketchy area because you get like your, this built up couple, you get them together. And now what, you know, um, how do you keep up the romantic tension or how do you uh, maintain that kind of level of interest in those two characters and, and that relationship. And she just does it really beautifully. They're, just a really well-matched, beautiful couple. And I love, I love every second they're together. They're just, Rowan is just like the ultimate supportive, like, you know, um, what is it called? Male wife. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, he totally is. And like, what is the sign of a key ship to me? One of them is like, there's a, they have like a catchphrase essentially that I hear it and it just sends chills down my spine, which is to whatever end, like mm-hmm. I just hear it or I say it and I'm like, melts. it's so good. I love them so much. Wait, while we're still in this category, can I have an asterisk here to like a ship that's not a ship yet, but like, it just made me think about it because yes. honestly, if you put together cumulatively and we talk about books like mm, every day, like too much, probably. <laughs> if you you said you, that as I was taking a drink and I almost <laughs> but like if you put together the time cumulatively cumulatively that we have talked about these two people not just ourselves but with several friends we'll give shout outs to here Aubrey Liz Jossie how much we talk about a shift that has not yet happened and again it's Sarah I know we are going now. okay yeah this is Azriel and Gwyn from who we we meet Gwyn for the first time in Court of Silver Flames I want this ship to happen so bad. I talk yeah. about it all the time. How often do I text you guys just the same evidence over and over again? Yeah. And like we've talked about like the the trauma working together thing. This is going to be one of those stories like where they both have like such deep emotional baggage they need to work through. And and I really need to read an entire book where they work through that together a la Cassie and Anesta. Like I need I need this. It's very hard to be very invested in a ship 
that could go another way. There's another viable option here. We won't get into the nitty gritty here, but it's very, it feeds me to have this like competition, like competition with like other side of the fandom. And I just like want it so bad. And literally it is the ship I have spent so much time thinking about this year. That's not a ship yet. Like literally nothing's happened. Yeah. They've like traded a smile. And a, honestly, in a, a like regift, him. he regifted uh-huh. something to her in a bonus chapter, and I'm like feral. Anyway, but there okay, have been mentioned somebody's got flexible bones. I don't know. We don't need to get into it. <laughs> we don't need to get into the anatomy here. <laughs> like, literally, you just posted this TikTok that was like, "This is what I think I sound like talking about books." And it's like, and the way the characters develop and blah blah blah, and then like how I actually sound like, and the bones, her pelvis is flexible. <laughs> So, okay, this we got like normal, normal stuff. Normally, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you've <laughs> never read the Akatar books, I'm sorry to go down that path with you here. All right, we need to move on. <clears throat> all right. Well, we're kind of like, we're, well, should we stick and finish off all the romance related categories yeah, while we're yeah. like in this mood? All right. Uh, best team. All right. That's going to take it. Uh, it's going to be, ne- excuse me, it's going to be Neon Gods by Katie Roberts oh, yeah. for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't even know if it is like, it's hard to say like, what is the steamiest of anything? Because, you know, it's how much like, are you strictly just remembering like sex scenes? You know what I mean? Right. Like with, especially with all the shit that we read. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, this one was another like big surprise. I think, um, it was a Hades and Persephone retelling, um, just this kind of blew up in our own like little personal reading group. Yeah. That's what and, you're doing. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was your personal doing. Um, yeah. I, I make no apologies. Yeah, it was. Uh, real, that was a really fun one, and I think it's. I yeah, I think because it's uh, particularly like explore some kink in there, mm-hmm. which is not a case in a lot of mainstream romance, and the fact that this went kind of mainstream makes it uh, a big one this year too. Yeah, so I definitely agree with that. Mine is one you've already talked about, which is this happened. It happened one summer by Tessa Bailey, just because for me, I think like, I don't want to say like shock factor is like a big thing for me, uh, but like, I guess it is like, man, when there are scenes that you have to like literally pick your job off the floor, it's, yeah. and that's the, the definitely in that book for sure. And for me, like that's where dirty talk comes in. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God. And so susceptible to dirty. Stuff. And it's just like some of the things he's saying, like, I, it's like, it's just, it was just, it was just shocking. <laughs> like, and I feel like that just is what for me, it, the, the fun surprise of that mm-hmm. is like, is what makes it really fun. So I feel like I felt some of my re- neon gods for like different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, this is just like, Oh, there were like, see, I remember there were scenes reading this book where I was like eating while I was reading and like food fell out of my mouth because I was just like, (laughs) 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 but so much. All right. (laughs) Let us move on here to our last romance adjacent category, which is, I do actually want to add. Oh, yes. too. But girlfriend as well. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Let's do both. Oh, okay. So wait, do we have the same book girlfriend? Probably. Should we say it on three? One, okay, two, one, two, three. Zoya. James Sue. No! Oh, oh, oh shit. Oh my God, James Sue. How did I forget? Okay, oh my yeah. God. Well, oh, wait, oh, well. You know what? Right. We're both right. I also yeah. have um, Manon on here too. Because... Okay, so why? Okay, we will. Okay, so your two girlfriends are Zoya and Manon. I mean, fair. Love a mean girl. Yeah, love a mean girl. I 
said Jane Sue, if you couldn't tell, I'm just screaming. <laughs> and here's the thing about one last stop by Casey McQuiston, which we did cover here. Uh, our exhortations for that book were sky high. And I did love that book a lot. To say that Jane and August are at the same level of like ship for me that Henry and Alex and Red, White, and Royal Blue are is just, it, that's not, it's not yeah. true for me. It just did, they didn't get there for me, which is fine. Like that was like, a rare, like mm-hmm. few times in my life, I feel like I'm going to experience a love story like that again. However, Jane, come ride the, the train near me and I would love to meet you. Please. You, babe, and a half. Like, damn. Like, fan art of Jane Sue. Chef's kiss. So good. <laughs> Such a babe. Love everything about it. And like, she's reading? like not only just super fucking hot, but she's I also thought. got charm. Like yes. leaking out of her every like, pore. Mm. Like if you have not listened to the audiobook of that, too, the narrator does such a great job of like her voice. She's just, it's like very like kind of gravelly. It's like coffee girl. And I'm like, oh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> she is really, really, really hot. And I'm really happy for her that she no longer has to just do it on trains. Yeah. I feel off the charts. But like, okay, but when she literally like causes like a power outage so she can get some is like we stand yeah Babe. it's queen shit it really is all right so good girlfriend <laughs> we should do, we'll do boyfriend then too we guess we guess we'll do them yeah this was hard for me this year okay so actually i have one it was so my number one is nikolai because i love him so much and he had a great year and he he had a great book mm-hmm. i'm gonna because i talked to him about him enough i'm gonna talk about Something I talked about too, which is Cassian from Court of Silver Flames. And the reason I picked Cassian is because last year my book boyfriend was Reese because I read Akatar. And Reese in the main series of Akatar is like mind bogglingly good. It's just a blueprint. He's just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. But then this year, Court of Silver Flames came out, and we I'm not gonna rehash it all here. Didn't love some of the things Reese did there. And it doesn't again, I have to put up a shield. And it's mm-hmm. like, don't think about what he did in that book. And I'm okay. But Cassian. God, like he's such a fun source of humor in the main series but to see him and be in his head and like the pining and how much he loved Nesta. And he's like such a himbo. Mm, he was so good. I loved him <laughs> so much. Um, so that was a really good surprise. And then I have two other ones here too, but I want to hear what else you have in this category first. I mean, I do think Cassian kind of set me on a himbo track. Like I'm, yeah. I'm way more susceptible to himbo golden retriever boys now. Like that is a yeah. thing I'm, I'm very into. And I think Cassian was the, the blueprint for that for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, so my other one is my, my number two is Nikolai. Mm-hmm. Um, and my number one is Dorian. Mm-hmm. Just shut magic, hands, baby. Magic hand hands. Yard. Yeah. <laughs> I love him so much. I <laughs> this is like, like the audio, that popular audio that's like, why did this man become so hot when his life fell apart? And that is Dorian Hivalier for yeah. me. How often do we podcast? I would say it's probably about 50% of the time where I'm wearing my sweatshirt. This is heavier on it. Like yeah. it's all the time. I love him so much and he's great. Um, I have last year I did this too. So I did it again this year. I was picking a YA book boyfriend again, being a YA podcast. Not my book boyfriend, but like great for a teen. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Ace. He comes from the book Counting Down with You by Tashi Buyan. I've already talked about that book on this podcast before, but he is like a leather jacket wearing boy who gets paired up with the smart girl to tutor him. And like he has more to him, of course. <laughs> and he is just like 
that book is a very challenging book. It is based on the author's own experience with her parents, um, not being very supportive of her in real life and her, her dreams and her desires. And the parents in that book are similarly awful And the way Ace is super supportive is just, he's very, very good. Love that. And then I had to pick a historical boyfriend because <laughs> like, again, my year of historicals and I, there's someone I've already talked about cross who I love, but, um, I want to give a shout out to one and I guess I'm going to kind of spoil his journey here, but I did talk before in an obsession moment on this podcast about the Ravenel series by Lisa Claypis. It's a story about a family, the Ravenels. Oh my God. Wow. That's what it's about. But we meet West, West Ravenel in book one of this series. He is the brother of uh, the other dude whose name I can't remember because he pales in comparison to his brother, West. Mm-hmm. Um, but his brother ends up inheriting this estate and becoming, I don't know, a Viscount or whatever he becomes. Um, and Wes is his brother who's very much like just like a scoundrel and like a drunk. And like he's just lived this life of like lust and gluttony and his brother like inherits this estate and makes him come with and is like you need to help me run this and he's like fuck no I'm not doing that (laughs) he's like terrible and he's just like looks gross because he's like not taking care of himself and like his journey to where he gets I think he's the fourth book in the series by the time time he finally gets his girl the journey he goes on and like the work that he does is just so good. He's such a dreamboat by the end. I love a book. It's, it has to be executed well. But if you have a book where like the heroine has kids, you can just get some real, real good stuff with the with the hero and the kids. And mm-hmm. we get that in that book. And he's just oh, like, it's catnip. Oh, it's such a dream. So I love him. So I just want to give a shout out to him because like yeah. when I pause to look at all my historicals from the year, I was like, who do I love? Like I love Les Ravenel, so there he is. <laughs> Read those books, everyone. They're fun. All right. Uh, is that it for our romance categories? We did it. I think so. Yeah. It actually, it was pretty fast. I think. I'm proud of us. I could talk about romances all day. <laughs> like there's so this year we've talked about this off air too. Will we ever read? as many great romances, particularly great contemporary romances as we did this year. I don't know. Like that might be an impossible standard to set for the coming years. <laughs> like we were just blessed by like really good romances this year and contemporary mm-hmm. romances too, that there's such, it's an oversaturated market. Um, so to have so many good ones this year was like, really, we didn't even talk about like the soulmate equation by Christina Lauren was super good. And like, oh, yeah. Oh my God. The all these hypothesis. other ones. Yes. Okay. The fact that we didn't talk about the love hypothesis on this episode <laughs> is kind of ridiculous because I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, all, any mathematical love experiment mm-hmm. thing this year. Great, great book. Um, so if you can't remember the title of any of those, you have like a perfect <laughs> shot of picking a great book. Just like um, type in random math terms and, and like love search yeah. engine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. We have two left. Uh, we'll start with our last like I guess subcategory of the year, which is best fantasy. Um, I think I'm going to go with Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. Um, it's actually exciting news. It's being developed uh, with AMC for a, as a TV series. Oh, cool! Which is uh, going to be really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, 
just it's a really good epic fantasy that isn't like told by a white man through the lens of like eurocentric uh historical fantasy type of uh themes um it's based on like um pre-columbian cultures from the americas and um it's just really great uh a fantasy written by an indigenous author featuring indigenous themes and stories and mythology uh yeah get it if you haven't read it it was it was a big surprise for me it was one of those things I think um I had been at Barnes and Noble and I'd walked up with like my little stack of books and uh the girl was like oh my god I love this oh my god I love this oh my god like to all the books I was picking she's like have you read this and grabbed Black Sun and she was like based on everything else you're bringing up here I think you'd really like it and you know shouts to random Barnes and Noble employee she was absolutely right um it's great and get on that shit before the tv gets the tv show gets made so you can be a book reader I have it here in my house. I need to read it. It's just sequels coming up soon. So very exciting. Uh, That's a good one. It's like number one. It's high up on my 2022 list. 2022 still sounds like a made up year to me, by the way. I'm just going to throw it out there. (laughs) Um, My best fantasy of the year is another one that is going to, again, um, line up with the Goodreads Awards. So I like almost hesitated picking it because I was like, again, Corinne, but like, hey, Things are popular for a reason. And so my favorite fantasy of the year is Rule of Wolves by Lee Bardugo because, again, the culmination of that series as kind of a, a bow on the entire Grishaverse, if that's the case, mm-hmm. it just knocked that particular task out of the park. The surprise of that book and some of the fun twists and cameos we got in there will are one of my favorite reading experiences of the year mm-hmm. and the way it builds on th- you know five six books before it uh in three series and ties it all up the way it makes me like and appreciate particularly the, the original trilogy more is incredible the way she brought back a character that i hate <laughs> and mm-hmm. made me appreciate more not like but like appreciate the story yeah. of him more um, was just incredible. And the way it gave me my favorite chip and my favorite book boyfriend and my favorite, I, one of my favorite book girlfriends of the year. It's just like, it was great. It was great stuff. So yeah, it was such a satisfying end to this huge series that yeah. has, you know, been building for so long. And uh, yeah, I think you really nailed it. It's, it, it's like, I, I keep uh, likening it to like a, a really great series finale. Yeah. The way that like, certain characters come back and there are cameo appearances and everything. It's just like the gang's all here and it's just really emotionally satisfying on so many levels. Totally. So good. So good. And then there was one award left. <laughs> and then there it was, was the best book of the year. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to go first? You can go first. <laughs> sure. I still have nothing written down. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to wing it. We're winging it right now. Uh, I'm going to put it because I had two down for best fantasy. So I think I'm just going to take one of those and, and put it in a uh, best of book instead. And I'm going to go with um, the Atlas six by Olivia Blake. Uh, this was another big surprise. I'd never read anything by, by Olivia Blake before. And I think it just like really appeals to a certain, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, it's just, 
dark academia plus like angsty bisexuals and like everybody is just super horny and into each other and there's magic like it's it's kind of speaking my language it's it's given me everything that I want in the world so absolutely perfect it's a good one Mm -hmm. Uh, if you don't know that book was self-published and the book has now been sold to a traditional publisher and is coming out with a new like edited format of it. And then there's going to be a second book. Those are both coming out in 2022. So it's very exciting for her to make that leap. And I and TV show too, right? And literally within the last week announced that it's being adapted as TV show as well. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's a good one. I'm excited to read it again. Cause I yeah. do think as much as I loved it, it will benefit from an editor. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's a little long in some parts, I think, which is like what holds it back for me really putting it up on my top list, but it's, it's a good one. It's great. Oh my God. Last, last one. Um, this is what we, you like, we already kind of mentioned it here. Uh, but mine is legend born by Tracy Dion. Um, I read this one pretty early on this year, maybe like in February, then we covered it, uh, later in the year on the podcast. And I just think in terms of, the way it left me wanting more and really hype for the next book in the series is kind of unparalleled to anything else I read this year. There's certainly things I'm looking forward to uh, in terms of sequels and next in a related universe, et cetera. But like, I'm so excited for this one. Mm-hmm. It's just a perfect combination of all the things that we like as readers and that we like to focus on this podcast, fantasy, themes, characters ships like it's got Mm -hmm. it all going on on top of that which is like beautiful prose as well I don't think it's a perfect book we we talked about like how it gets a little like bogged down in its own world building sometimes but I don't care (laughs) like and that's how much I I like it like it just Mm -hmm. really um has she's doing very interesting things with tropes it's Tracy Dion is a fangirl, much like ourselves. And you can tell that she gives us a lot to chew on and feed on from that shipping perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then just like wilds you over the head with really important commentary on, on racism and, and the legacy of that in a Southern institution, such as the university of North Carolina. And just like in a way that is not like overly heavy handed and just also makes a very compelling story and a retelling of one of the world's most famous myths in the Arthurian legend. Just like, it's incredible. It's, it's serving us everything. And it has one of the greatest like character turns that I've read in recent memory. Um, I went into it just like primed to be into this one character and then like not liking him at all for like more than half of the book I think and then when it happens that character turns and I'm like oh no (laughs) what has happened to me oh no we love him now so Uh, yeah well done well done Tracy I can't wait till was it blood marked it's on until Mm -hmm. August oh my god it's so far August that is so far away but oh goodness but I am so I'm so looking forward to that second book. Like I have, mm-hmm. have so many questions. Oh, yeah. I, can't I think wait. it's like my my most anticipated. Yeah. Like that one in the third dreamer book. I think yeah. my two most anticipated for next year. I have a lot of dread about the third dreamer book, which if you have not yet read any <laughs> Raven Cycle content, like please go back and do so. Like, but that is uh I would say that probably is my most anticipated too, but I'm like very terrified because then that world will be over. Mm-hmm. When she has said, so I'm like trying to think about it a lot. Um, 
but man, yeah, there was, uh, those two. Yeah. It's going to be a long road waiting for them. Cause they're both like back half of the year releases, yeah. but that's right. This is a good reading year. I really feel like I read a ton of great stuff and it was really fun to go back through my good reads and, and make this list here. I can't believe and we, co- we covered so many great things here too. And that's what was really fun. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I guess on that note, what's yeah, next? What is next? Um, I made a face like I don't know, but I think I do know. <laughs> yeah. So we, I think we're planning to do a big uh, coverage again, like we did with Agatar, but we're going to do it a little bit differently this time. We want to cover all of Throne of Glass now that I've read all of it and I'm, you know, completely obsessed. Uh, but we want to do it in a way that doesn't necessarily alienate our, our audience that doesn't read those books or isn't planning to read those books. So we're going to split it up. Um, we're going to keep with our, um, one episode every two weeks model. And so we're basically going to have one throne of glass episode per, uh, month yeah. until we're done with that. A couple months we're doubling up because the first two books can definitely go in one episode. Yeah. The second book and the, um, prequel novel can go in one episode, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, we will be back after a couple weeks holiday break here for ourselves. So we'll be back sometime in January with books one and two. Wait, yeah. We're going to yeah, do okay. Throne of Glass and Crown of Midnight. Midnight. As the second yep. one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in one episode, because those can definitely be condensed and yeah. thrown together. And I'm um, really looking forward to it. Yeah. And we're going to try to do it like we did for Akatar, where we don't spoil if you haven't read it before and you want to read along we'll have a spoiler section in each episode and yeah it'll be it'll be fun I have feel like I've reread like the back half of that series like kind of constantly rereading it like, back to my <laughs> highlights but um, I'm excited to go back to the very beginning knowing what's ahead of me and it's gonna be fun and stay tuned uh, to our socials and we'll announce the other things we're going to be covering uh, throughout the year as well but friends overall thank you so much for making this a great year we've loved hearing from some of you about the podcast and we love connecting with you and we just really had so much fun making this and it's it's been a good year it has oh oh i'm gonna cry cheers to that cheers like we're drinking I, on the podcast yeah. <laughs> it's fine this is our it's our end of your party it's our it's our work party this oh being our God. work it's our office, our office holiday our party. Office holiday party. Um, no, I was going to say I'm going to cry and I was going to bl- blame it on the hard seltzer I'm drinking. I cry <laughs> all the time if you listen yeah. to this podcast. <laughs> is this an episode of Act Your Age? Did Corinne cry? Then yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> so, Tasia, before we sign off, where can everyone find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at RagyCakes or on TikTok at Tasia.reads. Oh, look at you in that TikTok blog. I should. I should drop the TikTok. You should. You do post on the podcast sometimes there. Yeah. Tasia.reads. Okay. Oh, I had like, well, I'm going to confuse them now because my Instagram is written underscore reads. And you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at ActYourAge. You could shoot us an email if you'd like at ActYourAgePod at gmail.com. And again, we always would love ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you all again for a great 2021. We look forward to seeing you back in 2022. Have a wonderful, happy holiday season. We'll see you next year. Ah.
Ah. <laughs> Bye, Bye, friends.